we control the vertical we control the horizontal do not adjust your sets this is the all new all powerful dc comics news podcast and video cast not only will be will we be assaulting your ears we're now going to be attacking your eyeballs so get ready for some dc gorgeousness but you just don't just want to hear me i've got three amazing friends with me first of all it is the queen of the comic book wall art the action adventure figure animator and the princess of power of dc comics news kelly Gaines. how are you i am great i miss you guys so much it's amazing to be back we're back deadlier than ever we also have the man who knows more about comic book costumes than anyone else on earth he is fashion funktastic he is big bad brad of the endless Felicky. welcome brother how are you hey i'm great it's so good to be back i missed you guys so much oh so good to see all of you this is this is going to be a regular thing now we have promised and finally, last, but definitely not by no means least, the man without whom we wouldn't even be here. The owner of DC Comics News, the owner of Dark Knight News, the Outback Batman, the amazing, the wonderful, deadly Damo himself, Damien Fashani. Welcome back. It's been far too long, my brother. It has been so long. G'day, Steve and team. It's, uh, it's awesome to be back on the mic with all of you. Um, I'm super excited to be here. And, you know, this is like, again, this is a podcast in a time machine. Damien's actually talking to us from tomorrow, whereas uh, Kelly and Brad are in the middle of the afternoon and I'm at 10 o'clock at night. So there you go. Not only are we podcasters, we're magicians. But hey, Rip Hunter and uh, Time Travelers aside, let's talk DC. And as this is the first show of 2023, this is going to be a look back at the year that was 2022. Now, uh, we'll start off with Super News and the return of and then the vanishing of the great Henry Cavill. So again, we'll start with Kelly. Your news on Henry Cavill reappearing for Black Adam, saying he's back as Superman and then the new changing of the guard at Warner Brothers and DCU uh, films. Uh, I mean, you know, you get excited when he says he's going to come back. It feels like some sort of consistency. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. I guess there's a part of me that's been ready to, to let it go for a bit now. But yeah, I, I do wish that they would have kept him on. But I mean, what, what are you going to do? It's It's Hollywood. It's Warner Brothers. It's... Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll be coming on to the Warner Brothers topic later, won't we, Damien? Oh, yes, we will. Yes, yes, we absolutely. <laughs> I've unmute myself there for us. Yes, we will. They just—they've made me a little bit sad, but um, not just. Yeah, let's you. keep talking about Big Henry Cavill. Not just you, mate. Brad, would you make of the Henry Cavill news? Man, it's just kind of heartbreaking because he seems so excited. Fans really loved that scene. Uh, it, it was it was it was breathing new life into DC on film, and it's it's just uh, it's just heartbreaking. Not only that, but in the real world, that may have had an impact on his career going forward because he did, you know, stop doing The Witcher, which was a huge hit, huge for him, uh, putting that behind him uh, because of something that he thought he was going to move on to something that could have been great. It's just, it's just a real, a real shame. I would, I would love to see him come back. I was excited about it, but yeah, I, I think 
the saddest thing is just the fans, how they reacted and how excited they seemed. And now that just taken, you know, like, uh, you know, right out from under us. So that's that's just a shame. Absolutely. What about you, Damo? What do you think about uh, Super Henry? I remember being in the movies seeing Black Adam and, you know, spoil, spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't seen Black Adam yet. We see Henry Cavill, you know, post credits come back in that iconic blue suit and just the whole cinema came alive everyone was so happy that he was coming back and i for a moment there i thought there is a bit of continuity now we've got henry cavill coming back as superman this is fantastic and for me i loved the Zack snyder universe so i thought there's a shade of that coming back and then we get the announcement four or five weeks later that he's no longer Superman. And I just thought, well, this personifies everything that's broken at the moment with DC and Warner Brothers because how can you how can you release something to the world like that, make such a massive statement, and then retract it? Not six months later or 12 months later, you're retracting it five weeks later. It just shows so much disconnect. And I don't know, I think, like, between all the DC characters and all the Marvel characters, I just think... Superman is a very hard character to bring to life on the on the screen. I'm not talking about, it's not animation, but but real life live action characters. I just think he's a hard character to bring to life. Everything that he is and and how he is as a character, as a superhero, and as as the other personas, Clark Kent. So we had such a great actor that brought it all together, and I just I'm not ready to just think that we're going to recast someone else now. So. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, reading between the lines and seeing some other interviews with Gunn, um, he's not saying Henry Cavill's out permanently. He's just saying that the next Superman movie is going to be a look at Superman's life from the beginning. So they're going to cast a younger actor, which works for me because that means we'll probably get more Superman out of them. But I do think we'll see Henry Cavill again because it's a multiverse. We have to. He's too good a Superman. As for The Witcher, I mean, there were creative differences between Henry and the creative team on that show as well. So that was also part of the reason, but I do agree. He was back. Everyone was overjoyed. And then he was gone again. And the fans, like you said, Brad, we're the ones who are really uh, hurting about it. I think because Henry Cavill is a great guy, not just a great actor, just a great human being and a great ambassador for DC and, and for fans everywhere. I think so. It's a loss. Definitely. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed the news list. I've tried to stick, keep the bad news about 2022 at the beginning so we can end on a high. But, yeah, more bad news. I didn't see the Naomi show, but I love the comic book. Yeah, Naomi, one season and gone. A great show for a presentation and gone too soon. But it looks like all the Arrowverse shows are ending. Uh, Kelly, your thoughts on Naomi coming and going very, very rapidly? Well, I, I loved the Naomi books. I had no idea the show was canceled. It was, I was going to start watching it. I hadn't started watching it, but I kept seeing the ad pop up on HBO Max. So I was like, all right, great, get, you know, do that, do the next season of Harley Quinn. So this is the first I'm hearing that it's actually canceled. And uh, now I'm double sad. We could, maybe, maybe, maybe we should have like bad news, happy news. This is like depressing. <laughs> but oh my gosh, I, she was such maybe a good right. character. I mean, it's I now I have to watch the show, but then that's going to bum me out because if I love it, there's only one season. And if I don't love it, then why didn't they do better? But OK, good. Great. Brad, Naomi. 
I think it's a bit of a mixed bag because I think that even had it gotten a second season with other things that are going on within, you know, the Arrowverse and Warner Brothers, it probably would have been canceled maybe even before the second season was able to finish. And as it is, we got a really good, for, you know, one season show. Um, wish it could have been more, but I think at the end of the day, I'm just happy that we got what we got and that the character actually got to come to life in a live action format. It was a newer character. Uh, and it, I just love it when those new characters get some screen time as well. So at least we had the one season. So I'll, I'll take what I can get at this point. Uh, Damien. Do you know what? Just Steve, you talked about before kind of everything finishing with the DC TV universe. And I opted out after Stephen Amell and Arrow finished because it broke my heart so much that Arrow was ending. And I just feel like that that created a, 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 it started with him and I think it ended with him, even though other shows were still running after we saw the end of Arrow. And I, I just, I just, I just think the universe wasn't the same after that. Maybe I'm too emotionally involved, but that's my take. Well, on that note, then, I think I'll follow Kelly's lead and let's add a bit of happy news because final season of Flash, who's back? Oliver Queen. Now, Damien, we'll start with you because we know he's your man and one of your idols, right? He is. He is. It's um, I still remember the day I was in New York on a family holiday going for a run down uh, Times Square and seeing the massive, huge arrow billboard with his top off staring. It's like he was, his eyes were penetrating through and I'm like, this, what is happening here? And uh, yeah. And, and eight years kind of just flew by. And um, I was, I was so upset that arrow was ending uh, back when was it 2019. And um, he meant so much. The character meant so much to me. Oliver Queen did Stephen Amell. I thought, you know, built such an amazing community of followers. And that was very, for me personally, that was life changing. Like seeing him on Facebook every 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 week and, and being part of that community. And um, I'm just so happy that he's coming back. How that character is going to get brought back into the story will be really interesting because we all know how it ended. But um, I'd love to see them humanise him some way, and I'd love to see the Oliver Queen side actually come out. We're obviously going to see the, the Green Arrow, but. I'd, I'd love to see an emotional connection back with Oliver Queen somehow. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. It'd be interesting also to see how many episodes he's going to be back for. Is it going to be one or a couple, or like towards the end of season nine of Flash, or is it? Is he going to? You know, are we going to see him uh, over three, four, five episodes? Which I, I'm secretly hoping we do. That'd be so cool if that happened. Absolutely. But hey, he's back. Uh, I'll take what I can get. Kelly, what are your thoughts on the return of Oliver Queen? Well, I mean, you guys know I haven't seen a ton of Flash, but I I do know that every time we've talked about it, this is a character that it, people are attached to. They want to see him come back. Um, and it does. it's a show that has meant so much to DC fans over the past, gosh, however, however long it's been on, five years or six, seven, I think. But... In any case, it's good to see them bringing someone back into the fold, especially with what we were just talking about with Henry Cavill. It's it's 
kind of disappointing when we lose some of those faces and some of those characters in, uh, you know, in these franchises that we depend on. So it is, it's a nice little homecoming that I think, if anything, gives us kind of a breather. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's good news. That's a good story. <laughs> that makes me happy. Brad? Yeah, I, Haley, I'm with you. I'm a few seasons behind, but in our hiatus, I have been catching up on some of the Arrowverse shows, and this just makes me so excited that I'm going to have that to look forward to. And I think that if this is going to be kind of like the end of the Arrowverse, he had, he had <clears throat> excuse me, he had to come back, and I'm glad that they made it work. I mean, it would be, it would have been terrible to, to just have, you know, just say goodbye to the Arrowverse without a final, final goodbye to Arrow himself. So, uh, I, I think it's great. And, uh, you know, Stephen Amell seems like a great guy, so it's good to have him back in the fold. He's always been uh, really supportive and a fan himself, so it's great to, you know, have him back in the circle. Yeah. Uh, having him back, it's a joy. I mean, well, I remember when it was the only DC show on TV, Arrow, and then they introduced The Flash, and then they just had those two running for a couple of years before we got Supergirl and Legends Tomorrow and the others. But um, Stephen Amell, there are few people who are so one with their fans. I've chatted with a guy. I never got an interview with him, which was heartbreaking. But he created the Heroes and Villains Con, which ran for two years in the UK. And thanks to him, I got to meet loads of people from Legends of Tomorrow, Flash, Arrow, and then got wanted to create a con of his own for the fans. And it was great. And if he's back for one episode, if he's back for the whole season, I will watch this final season of Flash just because, A, it's the final season, and I love the first four or five, and because Stephen Amell's back. So that's one great positive to come out of 2022. And back to the bad news. The Batgirl movie. What, where, why, how, who? Cancelled? What? Kelly, save us. You know I'm upset about that one. I desperately desperately wanted a Batgirl movie I mean Batgirl has been one of my favorite characters since um I mean since Batman the Animated Series and you know back in I even during the Rebirth era I loved those books by Gail Simone I've loved everything they've been doing with her recently she's just such a good character and you figure they can do all of these Batman movies um you know in TV shows and spinoffs there there has to be some way to make it work and I, I know um in their previous plans, there was the whole we we can't come up with a story for her, and then it it starts again, it stops. So how how can you not come up with a story? How can you not make this work? She, I think, next to Wonder Woman would be my second pick for someone that I really want to see, um, you know, in the films as part of the the you know grander DC universe. And it's she hasn't really been on screen since what Alicia Silverstone, <laughs> which was. Fine, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I mean, the whole the bat suits aside and all that, it just, I just can't believe that they can't make this work somehow. Yeah, and they had a great pair of directors. What they did on the last Bad Boys film was so much better than Bad Boys Two. And hey, you know the costume fiasco. Well, who better to talk about that than Brad? Because I thought the two costumes we saw were great, particularly the Burnside one, the one that looks like it's a costume made by a teenage girl wanting to fight crime. I mean, what did you make of that, Brad? Yeah, I thought the costume was great, and the whole thing is one of the most cynical, terrible, just 
horrible stories in all of nerddom since I've been into this stuff. And that's been most of my life now. This is really one of the, it's, it's just horrible. The fact that now not only did they cancel it from what I hear as a tax write-off, but the way they did it is that it cannot be ever be shown ever. And it cannot, they cannot do another Batgirl movie. That's now I could be wrong, but if that's the case, then that is, makes it even worse. And it's just for money. I mean, it's just, uh, this is probably the worst DC story of the year, just the implications. And again, this is going to have real effect on people's careers because they put so much of their time and energy into this movie and they were going to use it as a launch pad. And now it's gone. And now they're back to square one, losing all the, all the time that they spent. Uh, it's just, it's absolutely awful. Uh, Damien. Yeah, look, I mean, I for me it was a little bit left field to have a Batgirl movie, but I, I, as a DC fan, I welcomed it. I thought there was so much they could do with the character and how they can connect her with not just not just with Batman, but with that whole DC universe and the whole fiasco around the costumes. I just it just made me angry because what a costume looks like on a blatant photo versus what it ends up looking like in an edited film and in motion and other things, they're two completely different things. And people, a lot of people, a lot of DC fans are very, very fickle. So don't get caught up in what a, what an actor looks like in a costume backstage or them taking a selfie with another actor and people are going, well, have a look at that costume. It's like, like don't worry about that. Like, you're going to watch the finished product. You're not watching them make the movie, right? So I thought that, was just a waste of breath because there's so much negativity around what we should be making, what we shouldn't be making, who's doing this, who's doing that. But um, to make an entire film and then not launch it again, it just personifies where the leadership is at at Warner Brothers. And I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but they should have launched that film and they should have held their nerve. And, and I think there would have been more fans out there happy that we had that that character start in the universe and then we can pick it up and do other things with it later on and in the comics she's such an iconic character she's so important in bruce wayne's world in batman's world with what he's fighting for so to just pull it like that and i can't think like i can't imagine how traumatizing it would be for her and for other actors to then have that get shelved after you put in all that work, so they're still getting paid, and it doesn't matter. You're an artist; you create something, and then it gets pulled away from you. No one's ever going to see the light. Of, that's never going to see the light of day now. And I just think it's embarrassing. So. It's, it's criminal, absolutely criminal. Yeah. That's so many people's hard work, blood, sweat, and tears that no one's ever going to be able to enjoy, and that's heartbreaking. Like Kelly and Brad said, it's what Barbara Gordon is one of the beating hearts of the DC universe important to every single character. I mean, she is like the backbone, the nerve center of tech in the DC universe. Any superhero needs info. Any superhero needs to know how to get someone, how to get some tech. It's Oracle. It's Barbara Gordon. It's Batgirl. And now she's inspired Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown, who are two brand new Batgirls in the DC universe. Gail Simone's run is legendary. The Birds of Prey. This is one of the best characters DC has. And she deserved 
her own movie. There's there's no doubt about that whatsoever. And they had two great directors, J.K. Simmons back as Commissioner Gordon, tying it in with uh, the Snyderverse and what came before. But nope, it's not going to happen. So no matter how upset we get about it, it's one of those things. So let's uh, move on and hopefully one day we might see Leslie Grace or someone else in the role and hopefully not Alicia Silverstone. But they said test audiences were 50-50 about it. Warner Brothers still released Steel. Warner Brothers still released Superman 4, Batman and Robin and Halle Berry's Catwoman movie. It cannot have been worse than any of those. Come on, let's be real here. Still. What are we going to do? So I'm going to take uh, Kelly's advice and stick positives now. Um, something that was a hit, something that was awesome, something which gave me something I never even knew. A credit scene, which I'll never fast forward and watch every single time. And we're getting a season two. James Gunn's awesome Peacemaker. Kelly, your thoughts on this crazy, stupid, brilliant TV show. You guys know I love John Cena, but I, from the beginning, from him showing up on talk shows in that costume, I was like, yes, this, this is a wave we need to ride as far as we can. And I, I I haven't seen all of season one, but I've seen a good chunk of it. Um, and it's, it's just perfect. It's just hilarious and, and, you know, gritty in certain ways, but I am, so thrilled that we're actually getting a season two especially now i you've pre-broken my heart about naomi so now at least i have one little like gold nugget to hold on to for what to you know i can finish season one knowing safely that i can go into season two still loving it um yeah i thank god i mean james gunn is kind of holding things together for for us right now (laughs) so uh god bless the man and and i i really do look forward to seeing season two brad yeah, I can't wait for season two. I loved season one. I, I I still say that the opening credit scene is the best opening credit scene in the history of TV. Uh, I I can't. I hope they somehow maintain that whole thing. They use the same song and everything for season two. Just the tone, the humor was all on point. The the performances were great. It was one of my favorite things about 2022. And I think we got it early in January and nothing was better. It's, that just goes to show how much I loved it. And yeah, Kelly, I, I'm with you. I can't wait uh, for season two. Uh, Damien? Well, I'll be honest and say that I haven't watched season one. But I, I go back to the Suicide Squad and I go back to some of these other films that he's made and... I don't want to be negative about James Gunn, but I'm going to sit on the fence until I see more from that man because, yeah, I I, I don't want to change the topic too much, but he's behind the scenes now creating a 10-year timeline for the for DC and based on what I've seen of his work dating back to Guardians of the Galaxy, the original Guardians of the Galaxy was good, but um, maybe I need to spend more time and watch season one, but uh, I'm I'm... I'm carefully sitting in my bat chair just looking at him brutally and asking him to don't make me put the bat suit on. Do do good by us. It's the gun. <laughs> I mean, it's great to have contrasted opinions because I think on the whole, I think we've got mainly three James Gunn fans here. And while I agree, um, I do prefer the first Guardians. I loved the Suicide Squad. I absolutely adored it. And Peacemaker is... 
along with Doom Patrol, my favourite TV show, comic book based. I, I love them both. Oh, actually, no, and Sandman now. That's amazing too. So um, I think he's got a good idea. He's a comic book fan, which a lot of comic book movie directors haven't been in the past. And for that, I'll give him credit. And the guy can write, and he's, he's a very talented visual director as well. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He cannot be worse than Walter Hamada. Um, that's all I'm going to say on that subject. He but cannot this, this be worse true. than Walter That, that is very true. <laughs> Yeah, you know, my right. thing is, is that I think one of the things that's going to make or break James Gunn in the DC universe is who he chooses to run these, you know, direct the films and things like that going forward. Because, uh, you know, we, we talked about what would happen if James Gunn run DC and a lot of complaints that we had on this podcast was the fact that he's always comes from the humor perspective. It's always more violent, but still lighthearted. Uh, and I think if he can be smart about who other talent that he brings in to make these films, depending on the characters, that's going to make or break what he does. And right now, I, I'm kind of like Damien on the fence because some things, his interaction with the media since he took over has been uh, you know, definitely a little rocky with everything that was going on with the Wonder Woman cancellation. But let's be real. I don't think Wonder Woman 3 is canceled. I just think that we're going to have to wait a little longer. And the real question is, if Patty Jenkins doesn't come back, well, we're, we'll gal. And that's those are the kind of questions that we need answers to. And, uh, you know, right now I, I, I trust him, but uh, he, he's got some ground to make up as far as the relation with the public and the fans. Agreed. And just on that point, Brad, you were talking about, like, making films that are a little bit more lighthearted versus the dark and broody films and – Maybe part of it is we've had this, we've had massive continuity in the Marvel universe and the theme of those movies and what audiences have become accustomed to with superhero movies. And I just hope that, I just hope that if that's his style, that's his style, but I hope that doesn't influence him when he's making these films and drawing the narrative about what the stories are and how we bring the characters to life. We don't have to have happy-go-lucky, funny superhero movies. We don't, like, the, the dark, broody storylines. Exactly. And that, that is not the DC universe. So let's not try and paint ourselves down this path of, you know, taking the Marvel universe as, as the framework or as the baseline, and we'll, we'll do that, but we'll add our own bits and pieces to it. That is not going to work because our characters are very, very different. So... Um, it's okay to walk out of a dark, broody film. Like, as long as you can establish a connection with the characters and the story is good, then, you know, so I, I hope I hope Mr. Gunn does does good by us. Otherwise, I'm going to have to get on a plane, Steve. We don't want that. <laughs> well, on the plus side, we're getting Joker too. You can't get a lot darker than the first Joker movie. And all things are pointing towards a sequel to Matt Reeves' The Batman as well. So while the films James Gunn makes may be violent, funny... Um, we've still got people like Matt Reeves. We've still got people like Todd Phillips in the DC corner. So I'm going to remain glasses half full until proven otherwise. That's just the way I stay sane, allegedly. Um, so <laughs> let's move on to the next story. And um, let's, let's do a bit of comics talk. I'm only halfway through Human Target. But uh, Tom King's writing and the art in this series are next level wonderful. K 
Kelly, have you uh, seen any human target? Your thoughts uh, and the fact that we are now in the final issues of the series. Gosh, so I haven't read any of human target. Um, I do love Tom King though. So if he, if he's in on it, then that's something we're going to have to catch up on, but that's good. Cause sometimes I do actually like to start things when they're done and just read the whole shot the whole way through. So stay tuned for future commentary for me on that, but I'm sure I'm going to love it. I love everything Tom King does. He has yet to fail a thing with me. So Brad. Yeah, I, I'm slightly behind. Uh, I've read uh, maybe the first three issues, and I really like them. I like what Tom King did with the character. I did recently pick up the hardcover, so I'm really looking forward to uh, diving into that. Uh, before I read that, I, um, I, w- I was reading Lonely City. So I finished that, reread of that, and now I'm going to be onto the human target. And Steve, like you said, the art was just incredible. So, yeah, that was... That was a great take on the character. And, and I love when Tom King takes those slightly lesser known characters and really, uh, really does some interesting things like Strange Adventures was incredible. Uh, and I just recently also picked up his Omega Man series and collection, which honestly, before I saw it in the store, I never had even heard of it. So I'm looking forward to reading that as well. But yeah, anything that Tom King does, I'm, I'm, I'm there for it. Uh, Damien? Yeah, Brad, I'm a bit like you. I'm 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 a Tom King fan. I I loved his limited series with um, Batman Catwoman in 2021, and although I haven't read these books, I've I've always enjoyed, particularly his Batman stuff in the past. So um, I'm going to definitely get into it and have a have a read. But I'm a big fan of his work. The Greg Smallwood art is to die for. It's absolutely stunning. And the fact that he's bringing back characters like Fire and Ice from the old Justice League International days is great. Um, highly recommended series. And it's 12 issues, one and done, or two hardcover uh, collections. So highly recommended stuff. Now, something else I've missed out on, and I love the original three seasons, but with uh, one website I own, one website I run for, for Damien Dark Knight News, and one website I edit and write for with DC Comics News, countless podcasts uh, and t- two jobs. Um, I don't have the time to watch everything, but I will catch up with Young Justice, the final season or the most recent season. They are doing a, a fifth. Apparently, it was a great success. Has anyone else here seen the show? This is uh, one of Seth's recommendations and something he really enjoyed in 2022 kelly i have seen the old young justice i have not seen the most recent stuff no um but i did back when i i guess that was in college but back when i did watch it that was one of my favorite shows so i gosh i have more to catch up on after we when we hang up i'm going to be watching so many things (laughs) we are such enablers and bad influences (laughs) you just destroyed the rest of my weekend (laughs) Or possibly made the rest of your weekend. That's true. Probably the latter. Probably the latter. <laughs> what about you, Brad? Uh, Kelly, I'm with you. I am behind. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a completist. I don't want to jump into something at the halfway point. I want to start at the beginning. And, you know, I, I talked so much about how I wanted to watch Young Justice, and I still have not been able to get around to it because I want to have time to watch the whole thing. And I know that there's a lot of episodes and there's a lot of new episodes so uh you know i uh, I, I wish this was here to talk more about it because yeah i'm i'm as well what about you demo 
I'm much of the same. I need to play catch up. So I've got work that I need to do. I can guarantee that if you start watching it, you'll be hooked. Um, I watch seasons one to three back to back. I just have not had the time to watch season four. And I will, because like Kelly said, this show is great. Possibly second only, and this is the highest praise I can give to anything animated, second only to Batman the Animated Series. The characterization, the way each separate character is involved and brought into the story. Yeah, they take a few liberties with DC continuity, but this is a separate universe and you can feel it. it it's terrific. It's brilliant tv the fact that it was cancelled after two seasons and fans brought it back much the same way that they did with the snyder cut of justice league shows how strong this show is so um if you haven't seen it do see it but if you start watching it prepare to lose your weekend because you will be dragged in hook line and sinker even hopefully we've all loved i know brad and i did i'm hoping damien did matt reeves the batman the show that took me to liverpool so i could just see the building he jumped off um i love this movie with all my heart um team your thoughts kelly oh it was so good i put off watching it for the longest time and i wouldn't i wouldn't read reviews of it i I avoided it for such a long time and then eventually i was like all right I, i need to see this movie I loved it. I, I, Robert Pattinson was, to me, a really good Batman. I, I was able to kind of forget that he was Robert Pattinson, which is kind of the the toughest thing to do in a way. Because he, I, I mean, I, I, I was in high school when Twilight came out. So obviously he was everywhere in, in the locker room, in, on Facebook when that was nice and fun and new. Um, <laughs> So he was great, and just I, I and I also really loved the plot. And I mean, without giving too much away, there was kind of like an almost Chinatown sort of twist to it, which is perfect because it had that like authentic noir feel where you're like, oh my god, I can't believe that character is. It, it's it was great, and and um, I mean, I Catwoman, just all of it was just it, I really enjoyed it. I it was long. That's my only critique was that it was kind of long. But it wasn't so long that I needed to pause. It was more just I my my boyfriend was kind of in and out of the room after a, like the first hour, and I was like, well, now who am I going to complain to if I don't like it? But no, it, it was genuinely a stunning movie, and I really do hope there's a sequel. Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I I loved it too. I would think if I was going to do a top ten movies of this year, that would definitely make it on my list. Uh, you know, I. I watched a lot of it a second time recently and Zoe Kravitz just blew me away on the second viewing. Uh, I, I thought she did a great job. And I I kind of figured ahead of time that uh, Pattinson was going to surprise people and be a good Batman. But, and, and, you know, the thing is, and this was kind of a plus of the movie, is that it was so much Batman and so little Bruce Wayne that Pattinson really it almost didn't matter because we saw so much of Batman and that's something that we haven't seen in Batman movies as much and uh, and I also loved how it really focused on the detective aspect of Batman and that's something we really haven't seen in the live action films as much either and it and it just worked and I think there's just something about the tone the presentation even how the Joker kind of looked 
that he could do anything with the sequel. If he wanted to stick to the straight-ahead, gritty crime world, he could do that. If he wanted to go in a more fantastical route and bring in a villain like Clayface, he could. I just think that the that the canvas that he created for himself in this first movie is limitless, and he can just do anything, and I can't wait to see what he does. And I'm so looking forward to the Penguin miniseries because Colin Farrell's performance was incredible as well and Colin Farrell as an actor doesn't get enough credit I'm you know I don't know if you've seen Banshees of Inisherin but he was amazing in that movie and I know that's stepping away from the subject but yeah I mean I I think the Batman was just one of the best movies of the year and one of the best surprises too as far as the performances and the casting being better than anybody expected uh Damien I could talk about this for hours. So I remember him. I remember Robert Patterson being casted as as Batman, and I think, like most people, you can't. We kind of casted ourselves all the way back to Twilight. And I remember seeing the original Twilight in in film uh, at, at cinema. Sorry, and rather than kind of doing what some people did and went, we can't have the vampire as Batman. We, we just we just can't. I just I, I I didn't really watch a lot of his films after. Twilight series, so I went back and and watched some of his films in between that time. Um, I went to go watch The Lighthouse. I, I, I watched Tenant, and and rather than focusing on the, the storyline of those films, I'm observing him in his role in those different films. And I and I thought, I think this guy can do it. I think this guy is actually forget about the films that he's done, like the stories. He's actually a good. He knows how to turn something and make it real. And having a very grounded Batman in a universe where Matt Reeves took his time, yes, it was a very long, to your point, it was was a long film, but Matt Reeves really taking his time to build the grounding of these characters. And, And yes, it was a dark and broody film, but I love the realism attached to the character. Batman is so dear to my heart. Rather than Batman trying to trying to fight a rogues gallery of villains, you know, it was it was a one on one between the Riddler and and the Batman. Really, we had Oswald on the side, and Colin Farrell was phenomenal as as as, as Oswald. But we've got a Bruce Wayne that is fundamentally broken and trying to find his way, and he's so angry and upset, and and, and you can see it in his eyes and just the cinematography and, and, and how the camera stares at him in the face. And that, I was just hooked. Like, and, and I, I felt bad for him because he's, he's a young Bruce Wayne and he's fundamentally broken. And I don't think he fully understands why yet. And all he wants to do is smash people's faces in. And I love that. I just, I just love it. When he walked into Oswald's nightclub and he's busting people's heads in, but he's not doing it in the in the clean Bruce Wayne. I know 127 martial arts way. He's getting baseball bats and just smashing people's faces in. So I'm looking forward to seeing the evolution of Batman and Bruce Wayne, but the evolution of Batman in Matt Reeves' story. So I want James Gunn to just leave it alone. Let Matt Reeves do his thing and let him play this out. I, we, I personally don't want James Gunn coming in and influencing the story and influence like. Just leave it alone. Like, let him finish what once started. This film was amazing. Everything you all just said. Absolutely. This was, to Brad's point, 
the first Batman movie that was about Batman. Every other Batman movie, you see him in costume for 20 minutes, half an hour of a two hour film. And this was Batman from start to finish. But what I loved was like, again, he wasn't just taking no prisoners and fighting crime and punching people in the face. He was a detective. And at the end, something we've never seen. He was a savior and a hero. He stepped out of the shadows to help people who need him. And that's an aspect of Batman that's very rarely seen outside of Batman, the animated series. He's not just a costume crime fighter. He's not just a detective. He's not just a vigilante. He is a protector of the innocent. He became the Batman to stop what happened to him from happening to everybody else. And finally seeing that on the big screen, beautifully directed some of it like you said damien the cinematography in this film was absolutely astonishing and people complain about robert pattinson just judging him on twilight um uh, what twilight who where when what uh, vampire uh, don't know what's that don't know never heard of it what vampires nah um the lighthouse his indie movies that is robert pattinson the actor even his appearance in the harry potter films in uh, Goblet of Fire, that is Robert Pattinson, the actor. Um, so I knew, as soon as he was cast, I thought, nuts about this, even more than they did about Affleck's casting, but they're going to shut up the minute they see him. And the only fans who are negative about Pattinson is fans who've come into Batman only watching TV shows and movies. Comic book fans loved it because it's a real Batman it's a real Jim Gordon. There's so much long Halloween in there. There's so much true detective in there. There's so much tortured psyche. This is the best Batman. Honestly, maybe he doesn't look the part as much as say Ben Affleck does, but he's played it to perfection. And Bruce Wayne as a character will grow. Cause if you look at Batman year one, there wasn't a lot of Bruce Wayne in that either. It's all Batman. And that I really appreciated like Damien being a Batman fan. That's all I can say about that. And that's why we run a Batman website called Dark Knight News, which everyone needs to go and look at because it's pretty damn great. Anyway, self-plugging aside, let's talk about something else now. This is another movie, but this one divides the crowd. I liked it. But what did everyone else think of Black Adam? Kelly. Oh, gosh, you guys are going to revoke my credentials over this, but I actually have not seen Black Adam that's another one that I was putting off and putting off, and I still haven't worked my way up to that one. I, I don't know. This past year, I got into a weird thing where I was like, I really just want to like everything that I see from DC. I'm too depressed about everything else that's happening. So I haven't seen it, but you know how I feel about The Rock. So I, I'm interested to hear what you guys say, because I really, really hope that it's going to sound like this is is something that I should watch later. So Brad... I I actually liked a lot of it. I I think that The Rock's passion for the character came through. I think that Hawkman was great. And uh, Pierce Brosnan surprised me as being the heart of that movie in Dr. Fate in a way that I wasn't expecting. And we got more of the Justice Society than I was ever expecting. It almost felt like a Justice Society film, which was a nice surprise. Uh it wasn't it wasn't perfect, but overall I I left really enjoying what I saw. Uh Damien. Yeah, it's a funny one. Like I, I like 
like what you guys have said, like what I really appreciated and respected with, with Dwayne Johnson was he's clearly been so passionate about this character for such a long time. And, and it's funny, I was going through the DC Comics News Instagram reel not too long ago and I, re- and I had posted an image like eight years ago of Dwayne Johnson in the DC studios and he's pointing to the logos, you know, we're doing something special. So he's been trying to get this up and running for a very long time. So I really appreciate you know, his, his alliance to the DC brand. This film, I thought, was a fun film. It was an entertaining film. And um, if you're after the, exactly those things, so a bit of entertainment, a bit of fun, um, then you'll get it with, with, with the film. I kind of I, I kind of felt like Dwayne Johnson, as he does with all his products and all his films, he had built it up to be something so big. And then I walked out of the cinema and I thought, okay, this is fun and entertaining, but, but you know, you, you you really you talked this up to be something spectacular. Is it was it spectacular? I, I wouldn't say so. I think Pierce Brosnan as Doctor Fate, I felt like stole the show. He's I emotionally connected with his character. He kind of held it all together, and and um, for me, I loved because when Pierce Brosnan was casted, I, I I had mixed feelings about about his casting, but I think he uh, was amazing as that character. Um, and where Black Adam goes from here is going to be is going to be really interesting. But um, it's funny. I think there's definitely for me there, there would have been definitely room for this character in a Zack Snyder universe. Like I feel like we've got a we've got a dark, broke, fundamentally broken character that is trying to work out who he is. And I kind of saw some shades between what Black Adam was going through. And kind of what Henry Cavill was going through in Man of Steel, trying to figure out his identity, trying to figure out what it is he's meant to be doing. I could see shades of that, and I loved Man of Steel. Um, so will we get a Superman, Black Adam conquest at some point? Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't mind Black Adam. The one thing that was a little bit sour for me after it was released was – Dwayne Johnson on his Instagram feed talking about being the number one movie, number one this, number one that. But if you look at the box office takings of the film, it, it's 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 pretty subpar. So I think we we just we need Dwayne Johnson to just calm down a little bit and just let people go see it and without you filling up our Instagram reel. But I do love you, Dwayne. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll agree with all of that. Um, arguably, even though if you like seeing The Rock kick ass and take no prisoners, that part of it, he does great. It's the quieter moments where every other character steals the show. Like Brad said, it's almost just Justice Society featuring Black Adam. And that aspect of the movie, as a full-blown card-carrying nerd, is what I loved about that film. The Justice Society were phenomenal as was um his leading lady she was great as was the kid actor um the whole family emblem um side of the story all the side characters were fantastic and being of of mixed race and uh persian descent as well i I saw a lot of my own family in those characters and that was beautiful um was it a great film no was it a good film yeah it was good fun and i would watch it again um i'll be buying it but again it's the fans who poison viewers against these movies before they even come out and say oh it's just going to be another dc flop 
And seeing that automatically just gets fans backs up because quite honestly, I've liked every single DC film after Halle Berry's Catwoman. Um, everything's come out of the DC universe has been brilliant as far as I'm concerned. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Some of Marvel's popcorn bubblegum, happy, happy, joy, joy stuff has left me cold, especially a lot of the recent films. I've just been thinking, am I just watching the same film again with the same characters? They're about as emotionally deep as a puddle. They're great entertainment, but they are not, like Damien said, the depth of the DC universe, the depth of the DC characters. We need a bit more blood red steak and a bit less bubblegum and popcorn in our superhero movies as far as i'm concerned but that's just my opinion so we've talked about the great in the batman and the good in black adam the great in peacemaker and the tragedy of batgirl and naomi but um i want to hear a bit more now particularly from damien now that james gunn and peter saffron are actually officially in charge of dc projects moving forward we know that they are handling more the studio rather than the actual films. They're just overseers and executive producers. But what does that mean in your eyes? And we will start with Damien this time. What are your thoughts on James Gunn taking over the DCU? I'm just, I'm rather than kind of screaming from the hilltops of, you know, what are you doing? Warner brothers, James Gunn can't do this. It's a massive job. I'm, I'm passively sitting waiting to see what he announces and what he does and also has, how he holds himself. I agree with you, Steve. I feel like he's been very rocky with with the with the media since he's taken that job and he's kind of dropped little bits and pieces on, on Twitter. He has I have appreciated he has responded to some things on Twitter saying this means this. The other day he came out and said, you know, don't worry about the Superman rumors. I'm not casting characters until stories are written. We haven't written the stories yet. Whether that's true or not, and he's already got—I'm sure they've already got—they've got people in mind on, on how they on who they want to fill these roles. But um, look, I, I know I'm probably going to get savage for this comment, but watching his Suicide—I—I so I look at the Suicide Squad movie that he created, and I wasn't able to connect with that film. I didn't think it was a bad film. I, I was entertained, but I look at that and I think. If that's what we're going to get over a ten-year universe, then I'm not. I'm. I'm going to be bitterly disappointed. So, I'm. I'm waiting to see what comes out, and I'm. I'm I want to understand from him when we talk about strategy and plan. At what point in the journey of each character is he going to start things off on? So he's talked a little bit about Superman, but I want to know what's going on with Batman. Like, where are you going to pick this up? And and and. What does it mean for the Justice League? And and is Wonder is Gal Gadot coming back as Wonder Woman? And if she does, how does that connect back with the two previous films? There's a lot to untangle, and he's got a very big job on his hands because I just don't think Warner Brothers can afford to mess this up. Um, I can understand the pressure of having to come up with an entire slate and say, "Here's a ten-year journey," but keep in mind that. Warner Brothers attempted this with Zack Snyder. I remember being in Hall H at Comic-Con in 2015 and seeing the Batman versus Superman preview and looking at all the films that were coming out. We were so excited and it all got dismantled. We can't afford for that to just happen again because we've lost a lot of faith with a lot of the DC fans. So um, I think 
in all forms, whether it's in pop culture, other businesses or whatever it is, good good leaders bring in smart people around them that don't do the job on their own. So he's got to bring in really smart, talented people around him to, to come up with a sustainable 10-year plan. So I'm eagerly awaiting what gets announced. And I'm hoping at Comic-Con this year, uh, San Diego Comic-Con, there's some pretty big announcements that get made. And, and whatever they decide, hold your nerve and don't change things. We want continuity. Don't chop and change things because that's where you get, that's where there's a disconnect with, with fans and characters. Um, I'd like to see some continuity with Batman. Like somehow, I don't know, but we've got Robert Patterson as Batman. Don't cast another character, another actor as Batman in six months' time. And, and then we've got two Batmans in parallel. And no, that, that's a no for me. What about you, Kelly? Well, and see, I I like James Gunn as as a director, but a director and a producer are different, in in my opinion, extremely different roles. There's, like Damien was saying, kind of the leadership end to being a producer and to being in charge of all of this. That you know, I enjoy his movies. They're fun. They're you know, they're they're quirky. They're kind of I, when I'm in the right mood for it, I really really do enjoy them. But that definitely doesn't mean that I want all of the movies I see to be that style. I, I appreciate his style, but I also, you know, I, I, I like darker movies too. And we've, I, you guys have been saying that all night and I kind of, I don't know. I, I didn't realize the full extent of how big of a role he's taken in DC. And I don't know. I, it, it kind of feels like they're just, they're trying to see what's going to stick. And I, yeah, as, as a full-time producer and as a 10-year kind of figuring out what the entire DC universe is going to be doing for that amount of time, I, I, I'm, I'm probably going to have children before he's done with whatever it is that he's planning. That's a crazy, crazy thing to consider. And I I don't know. I, I really do like him as a director. I really like what he can do with characters. I really like his approach to humor. But, it, Damon, you're, you're absolutely right that it is not... That's not something that's universally applicable to everyone in the DC universe. Batman can't be funny like that. There are a lot of characters that can't. Um, and I mean, if, if Gal Gadot doesn't come back as, as Wonder Woman, I don't know that I even want there to be another Wonder Woman for a, a long time. Because she, to me, is, you know, the, the penultimate Wonder Woman. I, I couldn't possibly picture them replacing her. Um, Unless maybe they want to bump over to like Yara Floor or something like that and, and, you know, give a, a different Wonder Woman a little bit of spotlight. Maybe that could work. But yeah, so I, as a director, I love him as a producer who's doing the entire game plan. I don't know. We'll see. But Rad, what about you? Yeah, I uh, consciously optimistic. Um, I'll, I'll reiterate what I said and just that I think what's going to make or break it is who he surrounds himself with and who he decides to connect to these films. And that includes cast directors, all of it. And I hope, I certainly hope that Gal Gadot comes back because Kelly, I agree. That would be terrible to have Wonder Woman without her. She is so that character right now, that it would be a shame. So I hope those things can work out. And one thing that they can't control, no matter how hard they try is the toxic fans. 
there are there seems to be this whole contingent of people that want DC films to fail. So any little bit of bad news that comes out, they're going to jump on it. Oh, bet Wonder Woman three is canceled. Well, not not really because there's not you're not going to be in a world where there isn't a Wonder Woman three. You may have to wait longer for it, but we'll get another Wonder Woman movie. You know, you just got to be patient. And I wish in that sense that. He could somehow give hints of what's coming and what he has in mind just to kind of cut some of that off. Um, and Damien, like you said, I mean, I would love it if they would have a big panel for DC movies at this year's San Diego Comic Con. That would, that would be, for me, that would be the highlight of the whole Comic Con. And this year I might actually try to go. So the fact that I could be there for that maybe would be, be incredible. So I, I, um, yeah, I just, uh, cautiously optimistic. I know that James Gunn has talent, maybe not for every character, but he does have talent. He is a good writer. And Kelly, like you said, that's a whole different thing than being a producer. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. But I just, at this point, I just want more news to see what, you know, exactly what he has planned. What about you, Steve? I totally echo everything you've all said. Agree wholeheartedly. But one thing I will say about Kevin Gunn as a man and as a as a movie maker is that every film he's made, everyone who's worked with him has loved working with him. Everyone who's worked with him says that he is someone that they will work with no matter what. Um, Dave Bautista and several other actors bowed out of doing the third Guardians of the Galaxy when Marvel fired him over tweets he wrote when um so you know if he brings on writers directors actors that are as loyal to him as the people he worked with on his own films i see the dc universe getting stronger and that's all i want and like Dane said all i want is a cohesive dc universe and it looks like the flash movie is going to reset Everything. It's going to be like the movie equivalent of 1985's Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, we've already got Keaton back as Batman and Affleck back as Batman in that film. And we've got Robert Pattinson in his own um, DC universe. So I think now could be the time when we reset it and move forward as it's meant to go without the Hamada style um, rewriting and what. Zack Snyder having to leave Justice League is probably what ended the DCU because I know it's not a popular decision, but I loved Man of Steel. I loved Batman versus Superman. I loved Justice League, the Snyder cut. Joss Whedon coming in and making Justice League a Marvel movie, which is basically what he did. It was the Avengers with a different cast. It was the same jokes as some of the Marvel movies. It did not work. It was, I said, I like Buddy Steak and Marvel movies are ice cream. Joss Whedon's Justice League was steak-flavoured ice cream. It was bad. It was truly the most average film I've ever seen. I didn't hate it. It wasn't the worst, but it was average. What we need is consistency, and I do believe that the level of uh, loyalty James Gunn inspires means that whoever does come on board to make these films will do so because they're fans first and filmmakers who want to produce something great. And that's what I'm going to look forward to. Now, just on that as well. Yeah, go for just, it. Just on that quickly as well. We talked about Gal Gadot as as Wonder Woman. I kind of compare her. I have her in the same bucket as, and you know, maybe Marvel fans might scoff at me in saying this, but when we look at Robert Downey Jr., 
we, we think of Iron Man. He is Iron Man. We could never, we, I, I just couldn't see anyone else playing Iron Man. The, the actor becomes the character. When I see Gal Gadot, to me, she's Wonder Woman. So I, I and I, I can't imagine anyone right now, play, uh, anyone else playing Wonder Woman. So sometimes the silence is deafening. Like if she, in James Gunn's mind, is going to continue being Wonder Woman and it's more timing of, of the third Wonder Woman movie, just tell fans, just say, She's our Wonder Woman, but right now we don't know when we're Wonder Woman three is coming into the fold, and it might keep the toxic fans at bay and 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 the debates at at at, at bay. I guess. Um, one last thing for me on this is there are rumours that James Gunn might get Ben Affleck in to to direct a film of some sort, not knowing whether that's true or not. But I'd love to see that. I think. I think Ben Affleck's a great director, um, so I hope that I hope that that comes to life. Absolutely, uh, and that's actually helped um, segue in because speaking of Wonder Woman, and I agree, Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman. Um, we have to talk about the Trial of the Amazons, one of the best crossover comics of 2022 the death of Queen Hippolyta, the rise of Queen Nubia, and the instant imminent and continuing rise of the wonderful yara floor um i don't know how much of this you guys have read but um it is pretty good stuff kelly oh gosh i i really like everything that they've been doing with sort of the larger i don't know i guess i'm going to call it the wonder woman universe as a whole um i, I well i was a little bit you know, sad to see Hippolyta die because she, I, I am really interested in her as a character. She has kind of that deeper connection to, you know, the, the actual classic Greek mythology. That's sort of what grounds, um, Diana in that, that kind of historical universe. Um, so to kill her off was, I think, a bold choice, but it played off really well because the implications and the way that that echoed through the rest of Themyscira, um, you know, the concept of the entire civil war. And then I, I did read, um, you know, not, not only that series, but also Nubia and, and her kind of start as the queen of the Amazons. And she is a great leader for the Amazons. She really does as a character come across as someone who has the know-how and the ability to rise to that role. And it is also kind of interesting to see because it, we meet Hippolyta at a point where Diana is already already grown up she's an adult she's been queen of the amazons for god knows how long um and we we don't really get to see her develop as a person she sort of is hippolyta at the moment we meet her whereas with nubia we've watched her take this rise to her role as queen see the decisions that she made um not only throughout this series but the decisions that she's been making in um in her own run and of course, Yara Flora, I just love. That is, I, I think, one of my favorite new DC characters that's come out in the past couple of years. Um, so yeah, the, this series was just great. Just a wonderful read. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, rest in peace to Hippolyta, but it, it is really nice to see a new Queen of the Amazons develop um, and kind of get a, a new layer to that lore. What about you, Brad? I I loved it. Uh this had everything I like in a crossover event in comics. It had real sticks. It had a really good story, really good action, really well-written characters. And the 
After Effects really make changes going forward. And the way they realigned, like you were, Kelly, you were saying, the Wonder Woman universe what, is great going forward. I'm looking forward to seeing where they go. And, and Steve, you and I both, and, and Kelly too, Yara Floor is one of the best new DC characters. And it was great to see her uh, highlighted again. I was bummed when her series got canceled, but I loved what the part that she played in here and the, the, Kelly, you mentioned the Civil War aspect of it. That was a great setup. I just think it was very, very well executed. To me, it's more than just, uh, well, let's throw this together so that, A, we can sell books, B, clean up our continuity. It was a story that really meant something and had to happen to move things forward. And, yeah, I I, I really loved it. Uh, Damien? I have not read this. I need to. I need to play a little bit of catch up. Um, so I. I can't really speak to. Um, speak to the book or to the story. I've got some homework to. Do. I've got some more homework to do. Don't shoot me, DC fans. Plenty to catch well, up on. You'll enjoy it, and then luckily, as across as crossovers go, it's only like ten issues or so. It, it's. It's really easy to get into, and it's brilliantly done. But to speak to what both Brad and Kelly said, that Wonder Woman for me is the greatest of all the female superheroes. I love her. I've got a one of her stories going back to her appearances in the 40s, Perez run, and most of what's come since the crisis. And I love Diana of the Mascara. I love Hippolyta. I love the whole mythos. And to finally see a crossover that wasn't a universe destroying or recent mega crossover, but having a Wonder Woman crossover series was fantastic. And being someone who loves Diana so much, when I heard that they were going to bring in a new Wonder Woman, Nora Froffo, no, I don't want a new Wonder Woman. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I don't want a new Wonder Woman. Then I read Joel Jones, two future state issues, just two comics introducing Yara Floor. And I was stunned. And I was blown away and I was sold immediately. Yara Floor rocks. She is a teenage girl who talks, acts, moves, feels like a real teenage girl, but with all the responsibilities and powers of an Amazon, an offshoot Amazon based in Brazil, of all places. And it was just a breath of fresh air. Plus the fact she's got a flying horse called Jerry named after Joelle Jones realtor, um, which I learned when I interviewed Joelle last year. It's magic. Yara Floor rules, and there is a Wonder Woman I love as much as Diana. Nubia, a character created as Wonder Woman's sister in the 70s, is now queen of the Amazons, and she is killing it. Brilliant stuff. Um, people talk about Nightwing, people talk about Batman, people talk about Superman and action comics. More people need to be talking about The Flash more people need to be talking about Wonder Woman because right now both those books are on fire. Now, let's uh, dial things down a little bit. June of 2022 saw the DC Pride anthology, the second one, one of my favourite comics of the last few years, mainly because of one story written by the late, great Kevin Conroy, where he told his own story of his life, of suffering the abuse and bigotry of uh, homophobia and 
using that to voice arguably the greatest Batman in the history of any media outside of comics in Batman the Animated Series. His story for the uh, special was heartbreaking but ultimately inspiring and one of the best things I've ever read. I don't know if everyone else has read it and we will talk about Kevin Conroy as well but I wanted to start on this absolute highlight of comics from last year. Kelly. Oh gosh, I haven't read it, but now I really, really, really want to read it. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll leave this to you guys. But oh my gosh, this sounds like something I need to read. What about you? Yeah, Kelly, I, I too have not, I have not read it. I have made, I, you know, when we, we used to talk about Future State and Okay, DC, you got me. Take all my money. I finally pulled back from buying every DC as they came out and now focusing more on the trays. I just find it personally as more of a, uh, I like it to, to, to absorb the stories that way. And that's why I have not read that yet. But when I heard about his passing and a lot of things came up about that story, and I'm just really glad that he got to tell that before he passed, that that will be up there with one of the best things that he's ever done as well as the Batman voices. So I, I just, I, I guess I'm just happy that it exists and that he got to tell that story before he did pass. Uh, Damien. Yeah, look, I didn't, um, I haven't read it either, but I, I was, I was deeply saddened by his passing. I, I was lucky enough to interview him a couple of times at, at San Diego Comic Con. And the first thing I remember about him was, you know, there was a mix up with, that the DC Comics News interview and him and, and it, for some reason it wasn't on the run sheet and I was told I couldn't interview him and he intervened and said, we're, we're doing the interview. This is, this is, this is fine. He was just such a wonderful man, such a, such an embracing man and he always made time for people and, you know, all the live action Batmans, we can talk about those forever, but he personifies Batman for me, you know, in so many ways with how he created the character. Um. Yeah, I, I I was I was extremely up. I cried when I heard that he had passed. Um, but um, I would definitely read that. But you know, he has left such a lasting legacy with Batman and with DC. And he's a beautiful, beautiful man, and and we are so lucky to have experienced, you know, the product and the character that he created. Um, he's such a great, yeah, such a great human being. Yeah, let, let's talk about that then, because it's something millions of people around the world have felt. Probably us as DC fans, probably maybe a bit stronger than some, but it was a real loss, a kick to the gut. And I cried too, Damien. Nothing to be ashamed of. I, I really felt it. So, Kelly, Brad, your thoughts on the tragic passing of one of the greatest of all time? That was such a gut punch. I. I one of those things that I just didn't see coming. And I believe I, I've been doing this whole thing where I've been just staying away from my phone and off the internet for months and months at a time. And I happened to be on the day that he passed and it, I, I think I was at work and it just, just knocks the wind out of you. Cause he, and I, I only saw him. Um, he was on a panel at, uh, I believe it was wizard world in Philadelphia a couple years ago. Um, and just such a funny and engaging and down-to-earth person. Um, and, you know, we were sitting there for a while listening to him talk, and my, my boyfriend was like, wait, is he Batman in the Arkham games? And I was like, yeah, and, and in the animated series. And it just it, it blew him away because he seems so 
he's just such a very normal, nice, you know, you don't think that he is this, you know, be all end all voice of Batman. You'd think he would have so much more, um, you know, kind of bravado about that, but he was always just such a, a, a likable and good person. And never mind that his, his voice acting has really defined what a lot of us think of as that voice of Batman. Um, you know, grow, growing up in the 90s and, and straight through the Arkham games and their popularity, he's been such a big part of just being a DC fan. If you're a DC fan, you know Kevin Conroy. Um, it, it's a horrible loss. It really is. It's going to be, I, I think, a while before we really find a new, if anyone ever kind of becomes the voice of Batman again. I don't know that we're ever going to see them do that in the way that it was was with Kevin Conroy. So it is... It's a horrible loss. It's one of the worst things, I think. One of the worst losses we've had as far as, you know, DC-related celebrities or just celebrities in general in the past year. Brad? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it really broke the Internet. There were people on my newsfeed commenting about it and posting about it that I didn't even really know were fans. So he really touched a lot of people. And <clears throat> I think that if you think of really um iconic batman stories in the last you know 30 years one of the ones that comes up is the animated series you have the animated series dark knight returns batman 89 the dark knight and you you would not have the modern batman that we have now without those things and without kevin conroy he he almost exemplified batman more than any actor who's played it in a live action movie and a lot of people, a lot of fans feel that same way. And not only in the big, bigger world of fans and everything, but personally, Kelly, you mentioned that he was Batman in the Arkham games. I love the Arkham games. They're one of my favorite Batman things ever. And one of the main reasons is he does such a great job in the voice in those films. So not only was it personal, but just, just it really like it was a gut punch to the entire comics community and even a little bit beyond that um it was it was heartening though to see how many people he, he did affect and and reached in his work it was even beyond what i had ever imagined it would be um but he was he was truly a legend and it's 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 a huge loss uh damien yeah i think as an extension of what you're saying brad the the arkham batman games was such a big part of my life and i think you know he I couldn't imagine anyone else kind of voicing Batman and he's, you know, such a key figure in kind of bringing that whole, that whole Arkham game universe to, to life. And like I said before, like I was lucky enough to interview him a couple of times for DC comics news. And, um, I, I would probably ag agree with you, Brad. I think he probably personifies Batman more than what the live action actors do. Um, and it's probably the timing of all that too. Like when, when the animated, when the animated Batman was out, um, I was, you know, a young teenager and, and absolutely loved, loved that series and, and, and then moving into the Arkham games. The other thing I loved as well, he, he was, he was a live action Batman for a very, very short period of time in the, in the DC TV universe as well. And, there was so much romance with bringing him on screen as a, as an older Bruce Wayne that was physically broken and couldn't be Batman anymore. 
And uh, I had a tear in my eye too when I saw that because I don't think the CW needed to do that. Like, but the, the romance of like bringing him out of the shadows, so to speak, and here is Kevin Conroy as Bruce Wayne. I will never forget the the shock and awe of seeing him on screen as as Bruce Wayne. Um, and maybe that was something that he he desired and and wanted uh, an opportunity to do. Um, and if so, you know, um, that's just amazing. So um, we will remember him forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, let's talk about the power of this man, because I know fans who have never read a comic book, but they've watched Batman the Animated Series. They've played the Arkham games. And to them, it's that man's voice that they hear as Batman. Now, I was in my 20s when Batman the Animated Series um, aired on on TV and Adam, uh, my cub, was born in 95 and when they were a child we would watch batman the animated series together so the much the same way that adam west and the comics were my gateway into comic books and batman batman the animated series was adam's and as a child when i read batman comics it's kevin conroy's batman who i channeled it was mark hamill's joker who i channeled the voices i use in the dc comics news Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill voices. They will live on forever. Every time I read a comic, it's Kevin Conroy's voice I hear as Batman and as Bruce Wayne. And I don't see that ever changing. I mean, this isn't a guy who did two or three movies. This is a guy who did video games, hundreds of episodes of TV, animated movies. His impact on the character cannot be understated. And then, like you said, Damien, wonderful human being, someone who loved his fans, someone who admitted that he came into Batman late and became a Batman fan because he was Batman, because he understood what that character meant to so many millions of fans around the world. I cried real tears uh, when I heard the news of his passing. So did Adam. Even my wife was upset Um, and I will now treasure my Blu-ray box set and I will treasure every single issue of the Batman Adventures, which I own every single one of every single run. And I'll be buying uh, these Adventures Continue Season 3 when it starts in a couple of weeks physically because largely of Kevin Conroy and his legacy as the undoubtedly, indubitably, best batman there ever was and i don't see anyone ever matching his body of work as batman how are they ever going to be able to match his body of work as batman so um in the words of uh, my assistant editor at dark knight news and one of the best reviewers we have james atias he's been signing every review he writes now dedicated to the memory of kevin conroy my batman batman um I can't really say anything else about it. Oh, sorry about that. Um, let's uh, lift it up again. And on a related note, talk about the wonderful two hardback collections of 
Batman 89 and Superman 78, continuing the Tim Burton and Richard Donner universes so wonderfully in two hardback books where if you took off the dust jackets, you'd see a VHS cassette staring back at you, emblazoning those wonderful logos. And little details like that is what elevates these collections from not just being great comics to being great pieces of art for Batman and Superman fans all around the world. Kelly, I don't know if you've read if you've read these, but you're going to need to buy them just for the dust jacket taken off to see the videos cassettes, and then you'll read some brilliant stories. What do you make of that? Oh gosh, I haven't read them yet, but I have been dying to because the Tim Burton Batman universe was that, and Batman the animated series were the t- for my first two experiences with Batman, and I just everything about the way Tim Burton did that movie, from the costumes to the set design. The, the feel of it where it, it wasn't campy, it was dark, but it also had this sort of gothic elegance and, and quirkiness to it that it just, I love that they're continuing that. I love that they're putting it, um, you know, actually into the comics and the fact that there is a VHS tape in the dust. I, I very recently found out that my younger cousins who are maybe 11 or 12, if I, I showed them a VHS tape and they had absolutely no idea what it was, they did not believe me that it was something that hold there. You put this in the machine and a movie will play. They thought it was some sort of a like block. Um, so I need that just just to hang on to that part of myself and say, yes, I just like my dad won't let go of his record player. I still have a VHS player. <laughs> I mean, I, gosh, I really do need that book. And of course, all of the the DC hardcovers, whenever they come out, they're always gorgeous. They belong on my bookshelf. I have officially run out of rooms for for books in my house, but I'll, I'll figure it out because that it, I need it. I need it in my life. Ron, what about you? Yeah, you know, beyond even how good the stories were, and I we've all, we've all touched on it, is those hardcover editions are perfection. They are so well done. And yes, so DC does great jobs with the hardcovers. I would prefer the hardcover over the paperback when it comes to DC all the time. But the stories were great. I always wanted to see Billy D. Williams come through as Harvey Dent. And we finally got it. And that was so great. And I've always wanted a Superman movie with Brainiac as the villain. And that's what we got with these. The tone of both felt like I was watching the movie like a movie with the same characters the same actors it was just so so well done and i hope that i hope that they can continue this um i i would be down for a continue a continuation of um christopher nolan's batman universe uh you know some of the other dc movies even maybe i would just or you know and they've done this with the the arrowverse but even continuing the arrowverse in the comics I would be completely down for. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I love these editions. They deserve to be on your bookshelf. If you run out of place on yourself, get rid of something and put them in there because they absolutely deserve a place. Uh, Damien, what about you? The nostalgia attached with bringing these stories back to life again, I think, uh, uh, is is amazing. Um, I loved Tim Burton's Batman. I loved Christopher Reeve as Superman. And um, you never forget where these things started from. So I, I haven't read the books, but it is on my list to, to, to read this year. Um, and you're right, Brad. I think, you know, um, having the continuation, the continuity and the continuity of these characters, but in books, 
um, is really, there's something really special about that. Um, but, um, I definitely will, uh, have a read. I've, um, I've, I've got it on my list to, to, to go through that. Definitely. Oh, they're magic guys. You're in for such a treat. I'm actually jealous that you're going to be able to buy these two books complete and read them. Cause I was reading them monthly as well. And those card covers, just taking that dust jacket off and seeing the VHS cassette there is, is so much fun, but they're not just continuations of the Tim Burton Batman universe or the Richard Donner Superman universe. There's so much more. The celebrations of Tim Burton and Richard Donner. The fact we finally see Damon Wayans as Robin. The fact we see a character who's clearly Prince appearing in the pages of the Batman book. Um, the fact we see, like you said, Brad, uh, Billy D. Williams as Harvey Dent and as Two-Face is pure magic and in the superman book brainiac and as a tribute to richard donner as a director a cameo from the goonies um in the superman book as well it's just absolute magic and two finer books you could not wish to own so yeah definitely go out and buy them and get the hard covers before the paperbacks come out because they are just that little bit extra special so now we will close with the biggest DC TV hit of all time, The Sandman, and the return of the Sandman universe in comic book form in both Nightmare Country and The Dead Boy Detectives, which I am honoured to review both series for DC Comics News. Now, I know that Kelly's seen the Sandman TV show, and uh, Brad and I have talked about it on this very podcast, and we're both Sandman comics fans, but Kelly and Damien, if we could go with you guys first, did you see the TV show and and or read the comics? And what are your thoughts on the Sandman universe returning big style after 30 years to the DC universe? Kelly. So I haven't read any of the recent comics. I, I've read the original Sandman run. Um, but oh, my gosh, that Netflix show just absolutely blew me away. I and it I, I had kind of. Back when American Gods came out as a television show, I wanted desperately to love it. And through season one, I was like, you know, okay, this is, it, it, it's good, but it's, I, I think I talked it up to myself more than, you know, more than it actually was. And now it's one of those shows that I, I won't even really rewatch it because it just didn't, it was Neil Gaiman's characters, it was his concept, but it didn't feel like a Neil Gaiman story the way it was uh, presented on screen. Sandman was the total opposite. It feels like it feels like Neil Gaiman is talking to you at every single moment. And I mean, some of those episodes, the one episode, um, the sound of her wings with with death. And I love that whole story with him, you know, meeting up with Hob. Like, these are some of my favorite parts of Sandman. And to see them done in a way where it really feels like you're you're reading the comic is is just brilliant. And and also when they, they released the the bonus episode with Calliope and the, the, the cat uh, story. And oh my gosh, the Calliope one was a, another, lots of gut punches, but in the best way. But that was, it was both hard to watch and also very hard to look away from. And I mean, his, it, the, the show's way of incorporating, I love what they do with the fates, the way they're sort of this one in three being constantly changing, um, you know, obviously the the Sandman himself looks incredible. It everything about that show exceeded my expectations because I was kind of expecting a little bit of American Gods 2.0. I mean, Good Omens was good too, but I, I had sort of lost faith in the ability for Neil Gaiman's writing to come across um, 
you know, as effectively on screen. And I think this show proves that not only does it, but it can, it can kind of, you know, excel in its own ways. And I, I really, really am so excited that we're getting a season two because I was seeing the articles that there was no season two coming. And I was like, well, this is great. I got into something just in time for it to die. But no, this is, I couldn't be more happy. And I, I will actually, I need to catch up on the books. And this is all the more incentive because now I know, all right, I have between now and season two for me to get all Sandmaned up and, and, you know, move on to the next season. But oh my gosh, what a show. What about you, Rod? Sandman is one of my absolute favorite stories of all time. And I really kept my expectations in check when the series debuted because I knew that capturing the magic was going to be very hard, if not impossible to do. But I saw some things in that first season that I never thought we'd get in uh, an adaptation, uh, like the sound of her wings, um, the the battle between uh, the battle of wits between well in the in the um, in the show was Lucifer and Sandman and it played out kind of the same way it does in the comic with different characters. The fact that we got that I mean there's just so many moments that uh, I was just so blown away that we actually got and a lot of people did you know didn't like Watchmen the movie so much but I did because I came to it as a fan and they got so much of that book into that movie i was shocked in the same way with the series they got so much of the sandman comic into the series that uh it, it really makes me thrilled what we're going to get with season two and steve you and i talked about this with um you know season of mist maybe and and we'll get to meet some of the other some of their siblings. I can't wait to meet Delirium and Destruction. I can't wait for that whole thing to transpire because now that they know that they know what they're doing. So we know that those stories when they're told are going to be amazing. I, I'm just, if there hadn't been a second season that would have, I, I, I would have had to stay in bed depressed for a week because I, that's, that's how much this story means to me and how good I think that the, the, uh, the series has been. And I just want to see the whole thing completed on screen. Uh, Damien, what about you? Yeah, look, I mean, I've, I mean, growing up, I've never been a big Sandman fan. So I came into the Netflix series not having read the Sandman books. So I'm coming at it from a, a really different perspective. But I thought it took a while for the for the show to, to get going, particularly you know, after watching episode one and episode two, but, but I felt like it really, it really, really picked up. And I found myself um, really drawn into the story and drawn into the character. So it's, it's, I'm happy season two is coming because I absolutely will watch it. Um, but now I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's sparked an interest in, in the books. So I have to go and now and, and go back and read some of the source material um as well and kind of go through that 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 journey but i love the netflix show i thought it was i thought it was great and they did a fantastic job you've got a real treat i'll send you some links damien because um dc have brilliantly um done a new set of soft cover um omnibuses really cheap like less than 20 bucks a piece which contained the whole 76 issue run of sandman in just four books Book five's out next month, which will collect some of the stuff that came after, like um, Dream Hunters, um, uh, Endless Nights, 
uh, and the stuff that came after. But the entire 76 issue run is collected in just four books. I'll send you the links of those. You can get them from Amazon and anywhere. And they are beautiful. They look great on your bookshelf and you can read the whole Neil Gaiman run in one sitting. Um, and the Sandman show, just like Kelly said, um, I cannot believe how they changed it and adapted it and modernized it, yet kept the heart and soul of the stories completely intact. I mean, that's a hell of an ask because they based it in the present in 2021, 2022, rather than in the 1980s, 1990s when it was written. And I thought, how's that going to work? And every cast member, every shot, every scene, every angle, every writer, every director they picked for that show was incredible it was british acting royalty in every single episode the fact that neil gaiman is the executive producer and had script approval for every episode shows because like kelly said american god started strong and then died a death um amazon had too much i think presence on um uh good omens even though i still enjoyed it but sandman felt like gaiman 100 percent totally gaiman and that is the biggest praise I can give because Sandman, I'm sure Brad will agree, is arguably the greatest epic in the history of comics because it's not just a yeah. comic. It's, one, it's literature. It's, it's mythology. It's in literature, period. Fact. Yeah. It's literature, as you said, and I've stolen this and I use it everywhere, it's literature with a capital L. It's Shakespeare. It's mythology. It's gods and monsters. It's history. It's... Um, the emperor of San Francisco. It's characters that are real that I never knew were real. That are so fantastical. How can they be real? It's Samuel Clements. Um, it, it, it's American history, American literature, Greek history, Greek mythology. It's just the best comic arguably ever written. It feels like a book, but it just happens to be beautifully illustrated by some of the greatest artists who ever put pencil to paper. But hey, um, I followed it from the beginning and so is Brad, but I'll send you those links, guys, because those new collected editions are gorgeous. And as the paperbacks, very easy to pick up and actually read. But, uh, mm. Sorry to interrupt, Steve. Go ahead. No, go for it, brother. But I just, I just also want to give props to the Audible uh, oh hell yeah is really good too and, and Damon, it's not the same as reading but the audible is also worth checking out because that is also very they are the original scripts adapted with a car so that is basically exactly the yeah. same as the comics yeah and uh, i'm still also so glad that we got 24 hours i i said that all the time yeah. when i talk sandman but 24 hours one of my favorite pieces of horror fiction ever and we and we got it so that was, that's one that blew that me was away. So good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I scary shit. Yeah. That was that was one of the best episodes of a TV show I think I've ever seen. The fact that they could actually translate that was amazing. <laughs> so good. And my cat liked Stream of a Thousand Cats. She couldn't take her eyes off the TV. And that really scared me. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good, Steve. <laughs> uh, and Watch if you back. look online, if you look online, the amount of cats that sat and watched that episode means that one yeah. day we're going to wake up being hunted and eaten by our tabby friends. Here's a new story about how many people's cats were watching that series, like that episode, and freaking out. So your cat is not alone. <laughs> she sat there, mesmerized. And I made the mistake of watching it again by myself at night because I just wanted to check out the art and how it all flowed. And she actually walked right up to the television, stood up on her back legs and watched it like that. And I thought, 
No, oh, this so ain't right. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and the comics are back to James Tynan and uh, Ponsad Pichetti uh, doing great jobs with um, Nightmare Country and uh, Dead Boy Detective. So I, I know, Kelly, uh, Damien, you haven't read these, but when you finish the game and run, these are officially canon, unlike some of the old uh, Vertigo tie-ins of yesteryear. These are officially part of canon, and the Corinthians back. Thessaly is back. Um, so if you love the original Sandman comics, Kelly, you're really going to dig the new ones. Um, and you can access them. You work for DC Comics News. Isn't that a joy? But, Brad, uh, obviously, there, your yeah, feelings on the there news. there was ever a writer, yeah, there was ever a writer working right now that I want his take on the Sandman universe, it's James Tynion. So, uh, yeah, sign me up. Take my money. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, and that's that's a collected edition that I can't wait for. Uh, I can't wait till that comes out. The first. April. Yeah, yeah, it's a long wait, but I'm really, I'm really looking forward to reading that as a whole collected edition as well. I've got the individual issues and I'm buying it too, Brad. Don't, don't yeah. even worry yeah. about it. I'll be <laughs> buying it too. Yeah. So um, it's great stuff. And hence, Damien, as you know, uh, me having to interview James Tynan for DC Comics News just to talk about yes. Nice House on the Lake and his incredible work on, on continuing Neil Gaiman's Sandman universe. So that's our rundown of 2022 and the first of the brand new video cast and podcast of the DC Comics News podcast show. Um, old friends Brad and Kelly are back. The boss man Damien's joined us tonight as well, which we're really happy about. Uh, guys, any last thoughts on DC for 2022 and what you want to see for 2023? Starting with you, Kelly, before we sign off. More Wonder Woman universe. More bring put Yara Floor in more things. That uh, one wish. <laughs> I, I would second that on Yara Floor. She's one of my favorite new characters. I would love to see her come back in uh, a series. Um, I you know as a whole, I think I'm really just looking forward to on the comic side of things, just to see them keep up the good work. Uh, DC's comics have been great the past few years. What they do with the characters in the different ways, whether it's the the young adult books, the more kid centered uh, graphic novels, all that stuff is is has been really enjoyable overall. And I just hope that that quality continues. And as far as uh, you know, the film side of things, I I just hope that we get more announcements and more of a clear picture of the road ahead. Um, you know, that's that's one thing I'm really looking forward to seeing is exactly what what comes next. And as far as TV goes, uh, I just want more Sandman. I know we probably won't get Sandman season two this year, but hopefully we can get it earlier in uh, 2024. But that's that's what I'm looking forward to in the year ahead. Damien. I'm focused on two things. I want to hear from Matt Reeves on what we're going to get with the Batman sequel. So a bit of information this year on that because I'm super pumped about what Robert Patterson is going to give us again and Matt Reeves. Um, and I want to hear from James Gunn on, on what we're doing with, with the 10 years of, of, of DC. Give us a preview. We don't need all of it end to end. Um, but give us phase, if it's broken up into three phases, give us phase one of, of, of what's happening. Um, 
And I've been a huge fan over the years of the DC animated movies. If it's one thing that DC have smashed out of the park, their animated films are phenomenal. So I want I want more I want more of that. Um, I've I, I, I've I, I've literally brought all of them over the last twelve years on DVD, and then I repurchased all the digital copies on on Apple, and I've got them all on my iPad. So I, I want more of that. Absolutely. So, yeah, looking forward to that new Legion of Superheroes animated movie. Very, very much. Really can't wait to see that one. As for myself, to echo Brad, um, while Marvel may still be leading the way in the movies, even though I find them incredibly samey at the moment, um, you can't beat their animated movies. And when it comes to comics, leagues, miles, decades ahead, DC Comics are on fire. Not just the main books, your Superman, your Batman, like I said, Nightwing, my God, have you read Nightwing 100 yet? Read it. It's only mid-January, and that could be the best comic of 2023 already. Um, Touching on Alfred, the Bruce Wayne, Dick Grayson, father-son relationship, the Titans, the Justice League, the aftermath of Dark Crisis, read Nightwing 100. Jeremy Adams is smashing it on the flash. Best flash run in decades. I thought nothing could top Josh Williamson's. Jeremy Adams is absolutely killing it. The Wonder Woman universe is on fire. Never has it been better in my mind because it is consistently a universe now, not just a Wonder Woman comic that comes out once a month. A whole bunch of new characters, absolutely wonderful and then we get mini series we get the human target we get mr miracle we get so many other cool things danger streets now by tom king which is absolutely bonkers do give it a read and like brad said dc isn't just for kids we've got adult stuff with the black label series teenage stuff lgbtq stuff dc are catering to every single audience imaginable and they make it easy for new fans the classic stories your batman year ones your long halloweens your superman for all seasons are consistently in publications you can pick them up buy them read them and love them this is there's never been a better time to be a dc fan brad you've said it i've stolen it and i'll keep stealing it guys the best is yet to come he's looking forward to a great 2023 so kelly brad damien let the world know where they can read your work see you and hear you and we'll sign off for this episode kelly okay i mean you can find me on dc comics news doing occasional reviews opinion editorial um i'm never on twitter but i have one so kel gains right if in six months you want a response from me (laughs) brad Yeah, you can find me uh, writing news reviews for DC Comics News. Uh, I am also on Twitter, but have not gone on since uh, since Elon Musk has taken over. But uh, you can follow me at FlickyB1. Uh, I can spell that out. Uh, F-I-L-I-C-K-Y-B, number one. Uh, Damien, where can people find you? People can find me on DCComicsNews.com, um, writing typically um, uh, news articles on the film, uh, is the primary content that I cover. Otherwise, um, I'm on all the socials, mainly on Twitter. I've got a long Italian name, so it's it's Damien with an A underscore Fashani. F-A-S-C-I-A-N-I. I'm the only Fashani on Twitter, so you should be able to find me. Fantastic. As for myself, easiest way is just to type Steve, J, Ray, 
all fantastic universes into Twitter to see my news, reviews, features and interviews across Dark Knight News, DC Comics News and Fantastic Universes. You can hear my voice along with all these other wonderful voices on the DC Comics News podcast. I Am The Night is coming back soon to end season two of the show and to begin the brand new Batman adventures with Nightwing and Tim Drake and all the new guys. And the future is bright. The future is DC. So whatever you do, what does everyone out there need to do, gang? What do they need to do? <laughs> Jump onto darknightnews.com. Jump onto dccomicsnews.com. Follow us, like us, share our content. Yell to the roofs that darknightnews.com and dccomicsnews.com are the places to go. Absolutely. And read more comics. comics. <laughs>